Hello. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. Mm. This is going to be a juicy one, Phils. This one is a topic that, you know, was a really, really huge challenge in our relationship, or I guess a big growth spurt at the same time, a lot of learnings on this topic. Yeah. So we wanted to dive into the topic of polyamory because we have been living in and out of spiritual communities over the last many years, half decade now. And we have seen a lot of shadow and a lot of light. And one of the aspects of shadow is this concept of polyamory. We've seen many people explore that in their own personal lives and their own personal relationships. And we've even explored it once upon a time. And should we define it in case anyone's new to this topic? Sure, let's do that. It's it's essentially, you know, the practice of opening one's romantic partnership. And when we say opening, it means open to connection, sexual connection, and all kinds of connection with other people that are outside of our partnership. I got this off Google, actually. Let me read the final statement of this. People who identify as polyamorous may believe in open relationships with a conscious management of jealousy and reject the view that sexual and relational exclusivity... Exclusivity. Relational exclusivity are a prerequisite for deep, committed, long-term loving relationships. Mm. So we want to unpack this. Can we have multiple partners and go into deep, long-term, committed relationships? Mm. I mean, is that the question, though? Or is is the question just unpacking the light and the shadow behind the polyamorous journey? Yeah, it's it's a good one because... Ultimately, we want to share our own experience without telling you what feels right for your life. You're the only person that can know what is true for you. Yeah. Um, but we will share what we have seen, what we experienced, and what kind of impact that had on us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, it started with, I don't even remember, how did it start for us, Aubrey Marcus? I think Aubrey Marcus, as well as Dan Bilzerian, started to speak about open relationships pretty publicly, and that's when Dan Bilzerian was pretty famous back in the day. I don't even know who that is. Aubrey was coming up, uh, up and coming, um, and and they they spoke about it like it's a very normal thing, that it's a very natural thing, that it's what we've been doing since the dawn of man. Well, I feel they also glamorized. I remember. Absolutely. Aubrey and his ex-fiancee, Whitney, it was a very glamorizing thing. And he would put in all these facts around how we're mammals and how we're animals and we have these instincts and these urges. And I, uh, you know, I remember feeling at the time because we were just entering into intimate partnership. We had been best friends, soulmates for two years and then realized, oh, wow, it's time to go deeper. Yeah. And I remember listening to those podcasts of these people and these influences and think, thinking to myself, if we choose monogamy, we're a sellout. We're choosing the path of safety and huh. security and we're running from our ascension. Interesting. And that's ultimately right. why we said yes. Well, because that is the way that it was pitched is polyamory is a route to your ascension mm-hmm. because it's going to bring up all of your triggers and all of your shit that you need to look at. And that's one of the fallacies of the whole polyamorous movement is this narrative that, oh, it's a great thing that all these triggers come up. And, oh, it's fantastic that you're getting jealous right now because now you can look at this aspect of self that you need to look at. It's like, okay, maybe, but also maybe that's just torturing yourself. And you don't need to torture yourself. And that's what we've seen with a lot of people exploring these polyamorous relationships is they come out exhausted. They come out like a a shell of their former self. They have bags under their eyes. They are just like, they've gone through the ringer. Not even like gone on a roller coaster, but like gone on like something that just drained the shit out of them. And that's really sad to see, you know, because they went in with such good intentions. They went in like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, this is going to show us all these amazing things. Mm. And then they come out the other side heartbroken. Mm. And that is just, that's so sad. I've been experiencing that. I've had three women in the last two months come for a session. Mm. 
and as soon as her face pops up on the screen I'm like oh wow and I'm starting to read her energy body and her adrenals are depleted she's got bags yeah. under her eyes and she's like I'm just in the recovery process yeah. of my partner wanting to be open and me going along with it yeah. and I'm still trying to piece my inner child and my sense of self back together yeah. because it brought up all the things but the confusion is is that a lot of spiritual communities and perhaps leaders will say it's good that you're feeling that way it's yeah. good that you're leaning into all of those things yeah so i just wanted to read you know i think it's five things that we heard the most often <laughs> and we can just weave these in and unpack them yeah these are fantastic so these were the things we heard the most from the most amount of people across this this journey mm. And ultimately, these things years ago, they landed somewhere for us. They, yeah. It's not that immediately we rejected them. We were really curious about them, which yeah. is why we explored polyamory. Well, and that's an interesting concept right there, right? Is when you hear this new way of life, if you're not a very closed type of person, you're more of an open type of person, you're going to look at it and consider it and go, oh, maybe, like maybe that's the way to go. And ultimately, we are not, we are not desiring to have this conversation to share with you anything that you should do. You know, we're not trying to recommend whether to do it or not to do it, but more so to explain all the aspects of it from our own personal experience so that you know what you're getting yourself into if you were to consider exploring polyamory because there's a lot of different things that we didn't even know were going to come up in our own exploration of it. You know, someone told it to us once upon a time and we were open, quote unquote, to think, oh, that might be an interesting thing for us to explore. Like I feel a lot of these people are like, you know, just being open to try the new thing, you know, and, and someone saying, oh, it's this amazing, you know, new way of relating to one another. And you just kind of go along with it because you haven't really sussed it out yourself. Hmm. So, yeah, and there's another explanation to why we chose to do it, which will really weave into what we're seeing and the shadow side. Yeah. So, let's take a look at these five things. The first one is love is free and it can't therefore be limited to one person. Hmm. These are a handful of statements that we've heard from people who have explored polyamorous relationships. Yeah. If something's triggering you, then there's still trauma in that area and you should dive into this thing even further in order to resolve this trigger. Mm. So it's a way of looking therapeutically. Why am I feeling jealous? Why does that make me feel like I'm not enough? Yeah. How do I feel when this person chooses to go to their other lover's house instead of coming to my house? Right. So to give an example of that with like a trigger that occurs in a polyamorous relationship, because one of the fundamental aspects of polyamory is communication to all parties that this is happening. It's not like necessarily a secret. This is everyone knows that they're in the polyamorous dynamic, right? Which or is at least the difference. That's how it should be. That's the difference between infidelity and polyamory is yeah. that there's conscious navigation with yeah. communication. Yeah. And so the way that the, like an example of how a trigger might come up is if you are a woman and you're in a relationship with a man, a polyamorous relationship with a man, and he tells you that he's going to go be with his other woman, that's going to obviously trigger you. And it's going to bring up all of this like low self-worth or am I enough or, oh, he thinks that she's prettier than I am and all these things. And the narrative in the polyamorous <laughs> community is if that triggers you, if that brings up jealousy, then beautiful because there's a trauma there that you should look at and dive into. And there's an opportunity for you to dive into that and release yourself of it triggering you ultimately which no one speaks to you about the re-traumatization process which is when sometimes there's a fine line between going into our trauma and becoming triggered to work through something versus no this is just shifted into a re-traumatization right. and this is actually affirming negative right. low vibrational belief systems about myself and there are actually ways to learn and grow that involve love instead of contraction right which brings up another aspect. Like when I was growing up, for example, there was someone that was behaving inappropriately in my life and I was told, oh, you should just learn how to be triggerless. No matter what that person does, you should just not allow it to affect you negatively. And it's like, okay, or maybe that's abuse. 
you know, for me to just put up with someone treating me horribly and me to just pretend to be triggerless. It's like, no, 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 that's encouraging abuse and that's not okay. And that often ties into this, you know, um, how this can very quickly turn into re-traumatization. Because if we're not setting boundaries for ourselves right. and we're not sticking like our inner child, like we are the parent to our inner child. And so our inner child is either trusting us or yeah. it's not trusting us. Yeah. And the trust of the inner child is all based upon our decision making and the way we are verbally, physically communicating our needs mm. and our requirements for safety, love, you know, essentially validation, affirmation that I am okay, mm. I am enough, I am loved, I am lovable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there, there's one other aspect of that, which is, hmm. I mean, you brought up a very good point of, oh, self-abandonment. Yeah. So like if we are allowing ourselves into these experiences in a way, we're not stating a boundary. Like it, because in, from what I've understood and what I've heard a lot of women say is they were almost convinced into the polyamorous dynamic by their boyfriend because he didn't want to commit to the relationship and he wanted to explore polyamory and the girl just kind of goes along with it. And that's a huge self-abandonment because number one, she's not stating a boundary of what she desires and what she needs. And then if she just goes along with it, there's, there's, a, there's an aspect of self that she's legitimately abandoning and that's gonna create so much regret. It's gonna cre create shame and guilt resentment. and resentment towards herself, all sorts of things that is just like, ugh. So if you want to call that a trigger that you need to dive into, okay, but that's also just like a lot of shadow that you don't necessarily need to deal with. And this all, that topic really feeds into one of the most important topics that any of us humans could ever explore is self-worth and mm. where are we holding ourselves to? At what standard are we holding ourselves to? And if you look back at any failed or dysfunctional partnerships, then you can look at the level of self-worth slash self-love you were holding within your being at that time of meeting this person and coming into relationship with them. And then that's going to explain a lot of what played out in the relationship, mm. which ultimately connects to a really important topic for all humans, which is self-worth. Where are we holding ourselves to? You know, to what standard are we holding ourselves to? Do we consider ourselves to be a high value, high quality man or woman? Mm. And respecting ourselves, loving ourselves enough to know what do I need? <sighs> like, what is something I need in partnership? Like, for one, yeah. I need to know that this person is devoted to me, that they adore me, mm. that I'm enough, that they're not just constantly gawking at other men or women wanting something outside of the partnership. And, you know, maybe it's connected to that and polyamory, but. It could also be connected to other things of how much touch you know that you need or a date night that you know that you really, really like it's a prerequisite of your being that I'm taken on regular date nights or that my partner wants to go spend time in nature with me or they're interested in growing and expanding, evolving spiritually with me. It's like time and time again, I work with these women that you know these beautiful beautiful women who are just so gorgeous but they can't see the totality of what they are and so they're settling for these partnerships where mm. the guy's still drinking beer and eating like a highly acidic diet and you know has addiction and isn't meditating and looking at his stuff and you know like my deepest wishes for the priestesses of this earth to to see that they're choosing that hmm. and that they can actually be doing certain work inside of themselves to raise their level of self-worth so that the manifestations, not only money, abundance, but the men, the partners that come into their life, they're like a whole different breed that, you know, they never even really imagined could exist. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when you do that inner work and you raise your internal state of self-worth, those people just arise in your reality. They might be not arising as a result of that self-worth being low, you know, but when one realizes the truth of what they are, I feel like that has a huge change on one's outer reality. And, and another aspect of that that you were just bringing up is like the word that was coming to me as you were sharing that is non-negotiables. What are your non-negotiables in relationship? And that's something that 
I don't know if it sounds foreign, but I wasn't really aware of the significance of what non-negotiables were up until like nine months ago, you know, 12 months ago, where if there are things that you need in relationship, they're just core fundamental needs and you have to voice them and you have to share them with whoever it is that you're entering the relationship. And if that fundamental need is not met, then that's not the relationship with you. Or if you say, hey, I need this, and the person's like, okay, I can't provide that. And you're like, all right, then we can't enter a relationship because this is an absolute non-negotiable. And I think that's really important for women to get really clear on what their non-negotiables are, as well as all the men, you know? And what men actually love in women and what creates a really high value woman, Mm. you know, is her impeccable self-worth around her non-negotiables. A man wants to be with a woman who says, you're not doing X, Y, Z. Okay. Like with so much love, just saying, okay, well, I can't, I can't do that. That's not okay with me. Whereas what most women on planet earth are doing right now is not voicing their non-negotiables and instead nagging, complaining, judging. Why are you doing that? And why are you doing that? Which is ultimately a sign of a woman's lower self-worth because you know, the highest path is to get clear, no, that is what I need. And standing by that in complete love. Mm. It doesn't need to come from fear or, you know, these whingy energies. You're like, no, 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 no. Because then like, that's not fun for him either. No, absolutely not. Yeah, that's a very good point. So some other things that we often heard, um, if you truly loved someone, you'd want them to experience pleasure in any form they desire, even if that means with other people. Or another way to phrase that would be, if you truly love someone, you'd want them to experience love in any form they desire. Yeah, pleasure, love, Whether it's you or someone else, yeah. Yeah. These are, on the surface layer, convincing. But as we read these, as you're reading these, I just, I feel so much shadow in these statements, you know? And it's like, ugh. Yeah, I just really feel for the people that have been hurt through these polyamorous journeys. Well, because we've experienced it. We heard all of these sayings and we were like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But once you live in these communities and ultimately, you know, like I'm still waiting to see one person (laughs) or couple that has explored polyamory come back to us full of prana and light and love going, oh my God, yeah, it's so good. We're all just love. We love each other. Love, love, love. (laughs) But it's like, no, you never see that. Like they look drained and they're just like, they're doing it for a while. Like when a couple in the community here you know the woman I was tracking a little bit you know the woman that knew me from YouTube and came to Bali and this and that and so I was tracking I won't say any names tracking quite a high profile couple here in Ubud Bali and you know she I I felt quite connected to her and I was witnessing her do this you know polyamorous experience and I was like okay interesting you know like that's a woman who I somehow connect with and you know and then shortly after three months later of course you start hearing that she's running around town I hate him I hate him and her inner four-year-old five-year-old six-year-old is just like in so much pain and I see her now I drive around town and every now and then I run into her and I swear to God it's like her soul has left her body really like from the moment when she first got to Bali and she came to Sayuri bathroom she was like oh my god you're Sarah I followed you on the fruit path on YouTube the reason I came to Bali like she was this innocent little bright-eyed cherub with so much prana Mm. moving through her orbit and innocence so much innocence so much love yeah right yeah and nowadays I see her and she's like so fractured and fragmented and my love's like I can't tell you how many times we've seen that yeah yeah, and I seem to remember you expressing that when she first got into that polyamorous relationship, it was almost like she didn't know anything about polyamory. And the gentleman that she was entering that with knew a lot about polyamory. And when she went into that, it was almost like he convinced her of all these concepts of like why it's so good. And she kind of switched her perspective from monogamy to, oh, polyamory is the best. We're just animals, free love, pleasure from anyone. It's all good. You know, it allows you to see your traumas and it's the thing to do. Right. And then, and then in a short amount of time, they break up, they go their separate ways. And she is just 
not just exhausted, but like heartbroken. Yeah. So the, the, the reason I'm stating that is because there is this pattern of whoever's more experienced in the polyamory convincing the other partner that it's the thing to do and they just self-abandon and go along with it. Don't state their boundaries. Don't state their non-negotiables and just kind of like get convinced and say, okay, we'll try it out. And then they always come out the other side completely heartbroken and completely exhausted. And that was the experience anytime I would run into an event or a dance or something and I'd walk up. Eventually I started, the last time I saw her was at Pete's party, you know, those big yeah. rages. And I saw her through my peripheral vision and my whole body just like walked very quickly the other way. Why? Because anytime it's like, as I said, the first time I was spending time with her, there was like a lot of light coming through. And then each time I'd see her, I'd walk up and very authentically put a hand on her shoulder, or her waist. How are you, my love? And mm. each time the same sentence would come out of her mouth that was just so much transformation, <laughs> so much transformation, you know. And then as the weeks went on, she would say it again, but it was like, so much transformation she was repeating Whoa. this line over in her head to the point where i was like i need to i don't even know what to do in this situation anymore so wow the last two i just wanted to read out which really relates to what you were just sharing is um we are animals we are designed for procreation not for monogamy yeah you know and just to hold on this one for a moment a couple of weekends ago i did a contact dance workshop um, which the energy was really contained. There was no leaky stuff. It was really, really beautiful and expansive for me to experience that with men and women. And I was telling a woman that I met there about Ryan and just the impact he's had on me and that his sexual energy is operating in the realms of angelic magic. And it was mm. something that I'd never experienced before. Mm. And she was very touched because this was a woman, you know, with a lot of sexual trauma and that's how we connected, you know, we connected on that topic. And I was explaining to her certain things. and. And, you know, I had briefly mentioned as I spoke about our relationship that we tried Polly. And as we got up and we were walking back into the dance hall, she was like, wait, so you guys tried it, right? And she was all bright eyed. And immediately I got the feeling of like, OK, I can see that she's a, probably a non-monogamous type. I'm like, yeah, but it really didn't work out very well. And we're very much so serial monogamous now. Mm. And we've learned our lessons from that. And she just raised one eyebrow and looked at me and said, but it doesn't make any sense, right? Because monogamy is not natural. And, you know, even this stage of the journey, it, it kind of triggered something inside of me. It, I don't think it would now because over those past two weeks, I've really explored this topic with you inside of myself. And I feel I'm so concrete with it now, hence why we're creating this podcast. Yeah. But at the time, it hooked into one of those wounds that was living inside of me that was an original match for why this could even you know, um, pull me into it in a sense, some kind of sexual trauma wounding or something that pulled me into it. You've got your reasons why it pulled you in, like yeah, yeah. not wanting to be, we'll go into that in a little bit. We should, yeah. Yeah, would love to. So anyway, I ended up leaving, like feeling that trigger, just welcoming it, finishing the workshop and went and had a massage and a bath that evening. And I got into the bath and could still feel that little like, yeah, a little twinge on like the right side of my heart and I was like okay go into that what are you believing like what is your truth around this topic and ultimately what I found was okay what is my highest desire for this life like what do I want to experience more of than anything which is love I want to experience love with other humans. I want to build a family. I want to experience community. I want to live with an open heart to give and receive love. And so I followed that thread of consciousness of love down into my body. And I followed the trajectory in my, with my third eye of a vision of the future of what living as love looked like. And living as love looked like devoting myself to you. Hmm devoting myself to you as my man and the thought of oh I've met this other man and he's attractive and we've got a connection so I'm also going to see him as well yeah it immediately became so clear that's not devotion that's desire yeah that's lust mm. but it isn't coming from love 
and and I ultimately feel everyone just needs to decide for themselves what do you want your life to look and feel like and if it feels like having multiple partners and spreading your energy wide and not being limited or tied down and if that feels like an authentic genuine desire for you then great but don't get sold into believing that you know that it's going to be this really magical transformative experience if deep down your heart's yearning for devotion commitment partnership and and love mm. absolutely yeah i love that so the final one that I'll just share, which I heard a lot. In fact, you told me this one quite a bit. I forgive you. Do you? Yes. Okay, we got it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Men are designed to spread their seed, like biologically designed to spread their seed to multiple partners to impregnate multiple people. So, you know, I've now realized that that is a common phrase that men will use to justify not needing to become a man yeah well you're implying which is 100 percent true that being a man requires one to be devoted to his woman and i agree with that wholeheartedly i think that in order to be a man and stop being a boy you have to devote yourself to something and someone you have to devote yourself to your mission and you have to devote yourself to your woman. And if you haven't done either one of those, you're not yet a man and you won't become a man until you devote yourself and then go on the journey of that devotion. That's what makes a man a man. It's beautiful. So let's speak a little bit about our experience. You know, I, we had met in Bali, had fallen in love it was clearer to me already than it was to you. Well, Maybe. you could say that, but I was the one that had the dreams and, and you know, I saw things and I said I wanted to snuggle and you're like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> He's my brother. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it was somewhat clear to both of us, but a lot of conditioning, a lot yeah. of programming. And we spent a couple of years away, both traveling what, what, what do you want to dive into here? Well, I want to go into when we came together, living together in California, mm -hmm. we started to realize we were actually in love. Yeah. We decided to start exploring intimately and shared our first kiss. For the first time. Which yeah. was intense. But necessary. <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what we said when we kissed. Yeah. Intense, but necessary. We, we were kissing for the first time in my bed and it felt so wrong because it felt like we were best friends and brother and sister, but it also felt so right. So it like felt like this very naughty thing to be doing. It was but so it, naughty. Yeah, but it also felt like ridiculously right. And I just remember like after our first kiss, kind of like just taking a moment and just going, wow, that was intense. And then you responded, but necessary. <laughs> <laughs> That's been our catchphrase over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to speak about, you know, spiraling deeper into one another. And shortly after that first kiss, I got a full montage download from my higher self. And it was our whole life together. Yeah. And I got a vision of us creating this podcast together wow. at that time. So we saw the whole blueprint, but we were still resisting it. And so what happened, I've kind of blacked out that whole chapter, but I don't even know how the polyamory got on the cards. But I want you to speak into why that felt like a choice for you at the time and what you were ultimately running from in doing so. I was running from my commitment and devotion to you because it scared me due to the responsibility due to the fact that I knew it would be lifelong and it was almost like I wasn't ready to fully grow up yet and be a man I still for whatever reason had some energies within me that were still immature that wanted to play themselves out a little bit you know one last time in a way 
and it was ultimately probably good for me and it was very painful but what I made it mean at the time was okay he wants to be with more women and you're I'm, not good enough I'm not good enough right and it took me several years to eventually completely figure out it had nothing to do with me nope it never did it was when a when a man is devoting himself to one woman there's so much more than just that relationship that's coming with that yeah it's literally him it's a rite of passage yeah I'm, I'm so glad you just said that rite of passage and initiation in a way and our society has let go of so many rites of passage that we used to have in ancient times one of which is you know puberty and growing up from you know child to boy and then boy to man and one of those is you know marriage and a lifelong commitment and when one does that when 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 a man starts being responsible for someone other than himself that's another stage of him becoming a man because prior to him devoting himself to his woman or having a child in the mix or having anyone that he's taking taking full responsibility for ultimately he's just caring about himself and that is fun in part when you're young but it, you get yourself to a stage where that becomes very boring and in, in life becomes monotonous and meaninglessness it, it has a sense of meaninglessness and unfulfillment so that's kind of what i eventually discovered is like wow if i just live my life for me for the rest of my life i'm gonna have nothing to show for it and this is like it makes everything meaningless like, what's the point of even being here if it's just for me, you know? And like, that has a big impact on my relationship, but that also has a big impact on my work because a lot of people are in their jobs just to make money, not to make an impact on the world, not to help people, but like just for themselves, just a completely egotistical drive to be in that job just to make money. And it's like, that is a route for unfulfillment and lack of meaning in one's life. And when that occurs, there are all sorts of desires for malevolence and addictions and alcohol and partying and all sorts of other distractions to numb yourself from the fact that you are living a meaningless existence. Yeah. Yeah, and I really just want to own my own immaturity, my own, you know, lack of advancement or mastery at the time, which is a young girl inside of me that just thought, she thought she looked through the lens with relationship that as something gets tough or something isn't working or a breakdown is taking place or this person isn't who she thought it was or anything like that she saw it as well i can just end that relationship and start a new one i remember mm -hmm. saying to people living in like when i was living in india i have this memory of living in an osha ashram and this older woman took me under her what's it called under her wing and she just adored me and she was 67 at the time I was like 24 or 25 and she told me I've had three husbands in this lifetime and I'm so happy she was Polish or something I'm so happy because they all taught me new things and I remember looking at her with these you know these bushy-eyed or I'm trying to use all of these great sayings Phrases. but none of them are coming out was right was she eyed and fairy tailed or something like that water off a duck's back <laughs> um, water off wonder under water under a duck's bridge or something like that <laughs> is that you said one I'm time I'm so bad with saying <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking at her with these bright eyes going I can't wait to have three husbands Wow. you know thinking like devotion to one man i mean mind you my parents went through a gnarly divorce when i was 5 and had a 100 meter restraining order on each other for a decade gnarly <laughs> I haven't heard that word, word in a while. I banned yeah. that word from the house, yeah, no, totally. and now I'm using it. <laughs> no, and I was surfing with TJ, and he's like, gnarly, and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> it's like this foreign thing. <laughs> so I did have that imprint of the broken home, but at yeah. the same time, there was a glamorization inside of me of like, wow, okay, I can just start again when the going gets tough. And part of my growing up and coming into my woman is no you make it work with this person mm. it's like you like i am completely devoted completely committed and i can't say this is the case for everyone because we're all in different relationships 
but what I know that I'm experiencing with you is a relationship where we're both completely committed to the work. Yeah. We're completely committed to growing and expanding in every way, not only doing dance classes and putting out a vision together of our family and holding retreats and starting this podcast and building a business together and building different revenue and all of these different things, you know, thinking about all of the agriculture plants yeah. we want to get tribe and, and tribe community. Like there's so many things and uh, you know, it's, it's a commitment. It's a maturation to say, I'm in it with you and I choose you. And there's a biochemical response that takes place when I say, I am your woman and you are my man. And I remember it clicked in for me around the time towards the end of our polyamorous relationship where I started feeling like absolutely not, like this is absolutely not okay for me, is I had this vision. I was living in Copenhagen at the time, doing like two months of watermelon fasting and was in this deep portal. and had this vision of what polyamory versus monogamy is. And monogamy was this like bright white column of light that went down into the earth and then up into the heavens. It went down and up. And polyamory was like this like less bright light that was scattered on a horizontal, a horizontal plane. Mm. It was scattered here. It was scattered over here. Mm. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, that's why we choose one person. And yeah. that's why people choose to, to not follow that path mm. because actually we're all terrified of going so deep with ourselves, yeah. with true intimacy of meeting ourselves and all of the reflections that come through one partner when we can't run away yeah. and then going up into God and realizing our full power. It's like the truth is we're all shit scared of that. Yeah. Yeah. Bright white pillar of light. I like that. It's a wrap. Should make a little rap, make a little song. So on that point, just like how you felt that, oh, you, you can't wait for your three husbands. It's a subtle excuse to have one foot out the door. It's like an unconscious foot out the door. You're not even aware of it. But the notion of, oh, when the going gets tough, I can just bail is effectively having the safety net of, oh, when, sh when I feel too uncomfortable because I'm being reflected this, that, or the other, I can just leave and go find someone else. And that's the same thing for, yeah, that was the same thing for me is, is, is having a, that's the same thing for polyamory, the desire for polyamory, because polyamory is having the foot out the door. Oh, if something doesn't work with this person that I'm exploring this polyamorous relationship, I got three more, you know? And if it gets too uncomfortable or maybe they see too much of me or maybe I reveal too much and maybe it's, you know, we go too deep, then I'll just, you know, on to the next type of thing. And so it's just a, a, a subtle way to have a foot out the door to have an escape plan because I think ultimately people want, what people want most is intimacy, but what they're afraid of most is intimacy. And so going deep with someone on the surface layer sounds good, but there's gonna be a lot of harsh reflections in that. And we're gonna have to look at ourselves in a way and be held to look at ourselves in a way that we never have before in a truly sacred union type relationship. And that can be very, very confronting to some people. And so they might want to have some sort of escape plan like, oh, I could just break up with you and find another husband or, oh, I could just ditch you and, you know, go to my other three women that I'm in a polyamorous relationship with. So, yeah, I, I can also see another desire and intention for polyamory whilst you're sharing is but I want love to be free. I don't want to be limited. I don't want to feel like I've put myself in any kind of box because I'm expanding into this ninth dimensional cosmic being who just wants to, you know, like love and be loved. And this is where it starts to get subtle and complex. And all I want to share of what 
we've experienced thus far, at least I'll just speak for myself, is there's a difference between love and desire. Yeah. Love is emanating from a heart field. Desires, it can be very sacral solar energy. Just sexual, lustful energy. It's like, oh, well, that looks nice. Well, I should be free. Like, if that yeah. tantalizes me. But it's like, well, where, where are you right now sitting within your seat of consciousness? Where is that desire coming from? Because if life is a holographic reflection of you, have you investigated why that desire is even showing up for you? Mm. That would be your deep work. Your deep work wouldn't be like a dog chasing its tail of like, oh, <laughs> give me some of that. Yeah. You know, instead it's like, yeah. okay, well, why is that prism of light through like if, if we're all just one intelligent intelligent being one intelligent love light fabric and a prism of myself is being reflected back to me what is that trying to show me yeah. you know and for i'll speak to men what i've come to realize is men who haven't integrated their divine feminine energy oftentimes will feel very attracted to women outside of them they can be yep. in partnership and I experience this like I'll be walking around the shop in the west or wherever I am and I'll notice a husband notice me and a really uncomfortable energy between those two where you can feel that they're not fully merged or whatever and I'll see this man look at me and you know at first back in the day that used to upset me that used to trigger me like why are you doing that whereas now i feel this awakened compassion around this topic because i can see that our society has drained the feminine energy yeah. out of our entire society especially men yeah and but so women as well with women as well yeah. and so when we're not having something taking up space inside of us, we start to desire it from the outside in order to find equilibrium inside. Yeah. The same goes for women. If you're not with an integrated, healthy, divine masculine energy, you could be in a relationship and yet you can't stop looking at masculine features and qualities on men, thinking, oh, but I want something else and it's not my partner, but really it was actually something that wanted to be met and understood and and cultivated from inside of you, which we've experienced in our partnership, yeah. you know, where there's maybe like a little desire for something and then we have a healing inside of ourselves around a topic that we were running away from and suddenly that desire is not there anymore. Yeah. Like not even 0% and then that thing just completely blows out of our field and we can keep on just moving onward and upward. Hmm. Yeah, it's the lesson of realizing that if you're seeking anything outside of yourself the solution is not to go get that thing outside of yourself but actually to just cultivate it within first yeah and you bring up a really good point about how what we don't have within us we seek outside of ourselves and obviously the practice is to cultivate it within first and not just go seek it outside of ourselves but that's one of the reasons why there's so much inverted polarity in people's relationships is because Let's just use an, an example, a woman who does not have a very strong connection to her divine feminine and she is primarily in her masculine is going to seek the thing that she does not have. So she's going to seek a very feminine man subconsciously, subconsciously without even knowing it. It's like she's not even aware that she just wound up in a relationship with another super feminine man, but it's because she has an extreme disconnect with her feminine energy that lies within her or lack thereof for that matter. And so if she did want to be in a relationship with an extremely empowered, strong, masculine man, her work would be to cultivate her own divine feminine energy within and her feminine essence within first. And then that strong, masculine man will suddenly appear because that strong, masculine man is looking for a super feminine woman. And so she will, if she starts emanating that energy of being in her divine feminine predominantly, that man is going to inherently magnetically attract himself to her and her to him. And the same goes for, for, you know, the other way around. 
So yeah, I just wanted to touch on that point given how much inverted polarity there is out there. Yeah, and the, the final piece I just want to drop in here is, you know, if we want to do the work, if we want to ascend, then what we're doing is we're looking at ourselves before we're looking at the people outside of us in our relationships. Mm. And the final piece that I just want to drop in here is if we really want to ascend, we really want to do the work, we want to free ourselves of constraints and limitations that once burdened us through our conditioning, then we have to look within. We don't need to be triggering ourselves in the external plane in order to see what's inside of us. It's like what I found over the years of, you know, working through a lot of complex trauma within my nervous system is that there are ways to heal therapeutically, li utilizing life as a mirror therapeutically that are soft yeah. and that are loving and that aren't extreme and they don't burn out our nervous system and make our hair fall out and yeah. you know make us feel exhausted and feel like we don't even want to be living anymore because so many inner child parts are feeling so unsafe. Instead, it's about really, really gently you know, first commit yourself to yourself, devote yourself to yourself, start having a beautiful, go celibate for 12 months and have a really beautiful yeah. self-pleasure ritual and allow your sexual energy to start ultimately like cleaning itself, clearing out the hose, uh, which is what happened for me before Ryan and I came together. I went celibate for a year and was living in Costa Rica and, you know, before before this time, I had had quite a distorted sexual energy and a lot of, I don't know, I used to have this desire, like one of my, my kinky desires was to, to self-pleasure to the notion of whatever man I was in partnership with, me having intimate relations with another man and my partner walking in and catching me. That used to be like a huge turn on for me. And I used to think about that a lot when I self-pleasured. And then after going celibate and, you know, doing detox and, and meditating and doing all of the, essentially like the inner purification work, eventually I found myself self-pleasuring to the notion of the sunlight or giving birth, or I would imagine trees blowing in the wind. And it was just so erotic and arousing. And the notion of even ever picturing you know, humans, let alone humans doing nasty things to one another. That just was like, it was insane. It was insane that I could have ever felt that that was arousing. And that was because my sexual energy started to run really clear and bright and light. And it's really important for an individual, a man and a woman to do that work with themselves. Um, so that when you come into partnership, you know, remembering that your partner's always going to be a mirror of you. You know, they're going to be a mirror of all of the wounds, of all of the stuff that still lives in there. And rather than running away from that, we just get to softly start working with those reflections in a container that feels safe for our inner child, which may mean, okay, we're not going to live together. Okay, we're going to live together, but every two weeks I have to go get an Airbnb for three nights and fill my cup up and then come back because it feels nice when we miss each other and then the polarity is really high or you know coming up with your own non-negotiables of what creates safety for your inner child within that container of the relationship mm. rather than just putting yourself into any kind of situation that you know is going to be testing in order to grow because you know there's such more gentle and beautiful ways to grow and expand that actually don't re-traumatize the system and they help to instill belief systems almost feels like it's not even healthy belief systems it feels like when there's enough love running through your system it houses the personality mm. and all of those lower vibrational belief systems anchored in unworthiness lack and scarcity they just start to rise in frequency it's like you don't have to go one by one purifying your belief systems eventually you just notice wow more love is moving through my system and I just feel good. I feel positive. I feel my mind is positive. My inner critic is now my inner cheerleader. You know, like you're working with the reflections and you're just starting to feel more connected to yourself. Um, 
and that's a beautiful thing and it's something we're yeah. starting to explore in greater depth and and I'm so grateful that I stayed there were hmm. so mo many moments that I wanted to leave yeah you just brought up a really good point because I feel like when people consider entering a relationship they put all this pressure on themselves like oh I'm entering this big thing this big commitment this big responsibility and it's such a big pressure and commitment in their minds that they think it's a prison sentence you know and so if we think that a relationship has to be oh we start dating and then we move in together and then we buy a house and then we have kids and it's this very linear everyone does this type of relationship of course that's going to feel like a prison sentence and of course men are going to be like no i'm going to keep you know sleeping around as long as i can because i don't want to join that stereotypical pathway that most everyone in the matrix joins but you just brought up this beautiful point of oh can i just share because the movies the guys are like treated like crap like why if you watched hollywood movies there's no way you want to be in a marriage like that where there's, oh, good point. there's no sex and right. she's gassy and he's horny and then he's looking at his secretary like the whole template is so corrupted yeah yeah and that's one of the reasons why men are so that's one of the reasons why men are so resistant to getting into relationships and to getting into monogamous relationships. And one of the reasons why they want to explore polyamory is because they feel like the responsibility of doing this very linear path is a prison sentence. And they go, screw that. I don't want to grow up into that because that sucks. Everything that I've seen in movies around marriage looks like it's shit. That sound like both people are, are terribly uh, uh, depressed in all these movies, you know, and, and they're not having fun. So why would I join that? You know, but when you can realize that the relationship that you have with your partner can be anything, including every couple weeks, one of you goes to an Airbnb in some distant land and hangs out with yourself for three nights and then comes back together. It's like, that sounds beautiful. But I feel like most people in the world feel like they can't do that or shouldn't do that or don't have time to or don't have money to. And it's like, well, you can create that. You really can. And, you know, and, and this notion of even like living together, like, oh, once we live together, then we'll live together forever. It's like Sarah and I have lived together and then lived separately and then lived together and then lived separately. And it's been beautiful. And yeah, we've missed each other when we've been living separately. But, you know, we, we've, we've, we just decided to move in together once again after not living together because she went to Australia and then when she came back she lived on her own for a little bit but um but now we're living together once again and we're going to live together for the next few months and I, I don't think that we'll ever uh not live together again but again that's not a prison sentence because I know that if I wanted to go on this surf trip for a month and go live here or whatever it was we can do that we can create that it's not a prison it's a beautiful playground that we get to explore and have fun in together Mm. And that takes the heaviness, the burden, yeah. the burden off it all. Yeah. Yeah. So the other aspect that I wanted to, to share as well is this notion of cleansing your sexual energy. You know, we, we've spoken about having sacred sexuality, like it's this notion of sacred sexuality. But most people grow up with a very corrupted sexual energy, whether that be through movies, whether that be through their own parental ancestral sexual shame. energies that gets, you know, yeah, shame is a huge one, especially for men. Um, I would say especially for women. women. Yeah, no, 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 of course. But like, I think it's very common for women to have shame and that's like, as society we kind of like see that as a normal thing for me I didn't even realize I had shame until someone like reflected it to me and I was like holy crap that's shame I didn't even know that I had it you know um, so yeah we're very shamed out of our sexual essence you know we're shamed out of having a boner you know I to this day when I have an erection in public I have this urge to hide it and it's like why would I hide such a beautiful thing there's nothing to hide. It's okay. It's a natural aspect of life. Why am I trying to shun myself and shame myself away from having an erection because I'm, I'm sexually turned on by this experience because I have Sarah in my hands and we're dancing on the dance floor and it should be beautiful that I have an erection and that I'm activated and that she's activated and then we kiss in this sexual activation together and that should be celebrated. That shouldn't be shamed. So I think that most people have... T tarnished, warped, 
you know, sexual energy that needs to go through a cleansing process because also porn has a huge aspect of this. You mentioned this whole walking in on, you know, you being walked in on by your partner being with someone else. That's a huge thing in porn. Like there's that, that like role play thing is like all over the place. That's a thing. That's someone's like kink, but that's programmed into us through porn. You probably just picked it up vibrationally because mm -hmm. you've never watched porn in your entire life. It's except not for once. I take back that one time. Okay. I've never done it. Never done it. <laughs> <laughs> you put it on, I'm like, this was a mistake. <laughs> you asked for it. So our dog is getting so rowdy. He's, it's okay. he's been at the villa all day. Yeah. He just wants someone to play with. So again, it comes back to us trying to find balance inside of ourselves. You know, I, I really investigated that vision and it was my anger at the masculine. It was my ah. anger at my dad leaving and, you know, sexual abuse and all of these things that like somehow I was getting my power back yeah. by having these visions of, you know, ha, ah, look, see, look at me experiencing pleasure with this other person. You know, it's like this beautiful, innocent feminine essence inside of me trying to get even yeah so again it's like you know these these sexual desires don't just come from porn and culture they're trauma yeah they're overstimulated amygdala and prefrontal cortex to where you know the notion of just having pure white white sheets and, and bare naked bodies and sunshine and mm. green plants around us and like you know like that's the highest eros being in nature like that's so sexy yeah. instead we need chokers and multiple people and all of dif different kinds of things to get us going because our dopamine reserves are so depleted that we need more we need yeah. more more stimulation and we've grown so numb that we need like the most intense thing to activate us even in the slightest yeah so this this concept of cleaning your sexual energy cleansing it's like going on a detoxification process of your sexual energy realizing that it's been corrupted by many things in society as well as your own family ancestry and so you mentioned celibacy, which seems like a very normal thing for women, not so normal for men, but I believe it is essential to become a man. I think every single man who is really devoted to becoming a strong masculine man and to be that all he can be, he needs to stop distracting himself with most distractive, most distractions one of which primarily is women. So I believe a man truly starts becoming a man when he takes a period of celibacy in his life and he says no to any and all women because that's the only way that he can truly focus on his craft. He needs to go in a state of monk mode effectively and get rid of all the distractions, get rid of the women, get rid of the drugs, the alcohol, everything, and just focus on his mission, focus on his craft, focus on becoming the best version of himself possible. And you can't do that with women around. They're too distracting. I love them. Women are amazing. But for a man to screw his head on straight and to go from boy to man, he has to kind of have a clean cut. And the only way to do that, from my own experience, is celibacy. Well, it depends where you're sitting within yourself and whether, you know, nowadays where you're at, women wouldn't be distracting. I'm not a distraction to no, you. No, no, you're no, of so, course not. You're but so I've already done point. that. I've already gone through that phase from boy to man. So you're meaning that when a man is still going through this rite of passage with himself. When a boy is. When a boy. Yeah. Yes. Then, and it's not, it's not just women are distracting. It's all of the programs. That like are why, why are you using women? Right. Why is a girl using a, a boy? You know, I remember, oh my goodness, I was so, so, so lost. And I would get lost in these. When I was traveling the world, I was living in India or wherever I was, I would get lost in these projections around men hmm. of thinking we were going to be something and there was nothing there. I would get so lost because ultimately, again, it was a distraction from just being with myself. Yep. And so, you know, when we're a girl having boys around, when we're a boy having girls around yeah. becomes medicine because it's still validating 
all of these parts of self that are in a deep state of woundedness and when we actually remove that and we go no I'm putting blinders on and I'm just going to be with myself I'm going to be with myself that is the most direct path to eternal self-love and the most increased self-worth exponential self-worth growth you could ever imagine that is how you become an incredibly high value man or woman who holds themselves to a really high esteem a really high amount of respect and integrity right which is just to tie this back into our original topic here polyamory people think that polyamory is the route to ascension because it brings up all your triggers and yet you are spread so far horizontally and you're only allowing your lustful desires and your sacral chakra to lead your every action that's not ascension that's being an animal that's allowing the beast to come out but and and create a lot of malevolence in your life but what is true ascension is celibacy and focusing on yourself and diving into yourself so that you can start accessing different versions of self and start accessing your highest potential and then after that experience of celibacy joining a monogamous relationship entering a monogamous relationship and then you are taking all of your focus from your sacral energy and spreading that through your higher chakras that is your root of ascension is not polyamory it's monogamy because when you're in a monogamous relationship it's far less about sexual like yes obviously you have a healthy sexual experience with one another but it's not all about lustful desire and that type of energy it's it's much more spread out through all of your chakras and you're you're taking all of that energy and spreading it into your higher chakras so that you can start accessing new levels of awareness and new levels of, of consciousness in a way. And it feels like it's not necessarily that it's not polyamory and it's not necessarily that it is monogamy. It's the path that's going to make you face yourself, grow with yourself yeah. so deeply and so intimately and we believe and the intention of this podcast is that it's all backwards in these spiritual communities and that perhaps developing a triggerless nervous system and being okay with your own jealousy and no longer feeling anything when your person that you're loving that you're opening to is starting to open to someone else you know perhaps just perhaps that isn't ascension at all and that a man and a woman or the masculine and the feminine hetero or homosexual it doesn't matter the masculine and the feminine coming together in union in sacred union that is the path of the ascension because it's the fastest way to support you to meet yourself yeah and the final thing i just want to say on the sixth point of all of these different things that we heard along the months and the years was Well, I think I already said this one, actually, but it's this piece around, well, we're animals. We're animals. I would really like to believe that we're not just animals. I would like to believe that we are the perfect blend and harmonization of human and spirit. Yeah. And that we are divinely incarnated in a physical human body. But that does not mean that we can go hump like dogs. It means that we hold an incredibly high integrity because the integrity that we are holding inside of our body through the relationships we're having with others is going to be the most fulfilling aspect of our life and it's where all of our power is our integrity is our power when our integrity is leaking our power is literally leaking out of our body yeah out of our central core yeah leaving us completely disempowered and disembodied and from our perspective very confused yeah in what we experience and what we saw in others yeah so the invitation is to really choose not choose from your wounding not choose from your trauma not choose from i don't know if you know it's okay for me to ask for what i need you know not choosing because you've heard a story that it's going to lead to xyz it's like choose because that feels like the highest most exciting path to you and your soul at this point of your journey yeah Yeah, and I would say the way to know is from your heart and not your head. And the beautiful thing about your heart is that it gives you an instant answer. 
It's immediately yes or it's immediately no. The mind likes to create all sorts of justifications and it takes time to analyze all the different routes and the pathways and this, that, and the other. But the heart is just, do I want to do this? Yes or no? And the heart is going to say yes or it's going to say no. And just listening to that, dropping out of your head and into your heart will simplify a lot of things in your life and will start showing you the truth. And I feel if I had stumbled across this podcast episode, however many years ago, when one of us suggested poly, polyamory and we said yes, and I went online, started to research how to do this and mostly reference Aubrey and Whitney, which their relationship was a massive fail in the it end. Has ended, yeah. And now he's completely monogamous, you know, yeah. and pro-monogamy. You know, if I had found this podcast and heard this beautiful man in front of me... And this beautiful woman in front of me. <laughs> ...say, it's simple, just listen to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> if I had, like, I heard Aubrey say, well, facts tell us that we are mammals from, and we, we came from Neanderthals, and all of the facts and all of the mental chatter, but if I just had someone go, place a hand on your heart and ask the question and see what answer comes up, I know from the yeah. very core of my being, it would have said... No. Yeah. I want to be monogamous with him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was our karma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, beautiful, babe. All right. Well, we hope uh, you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you in the next one. Bye, everyone.